0: I had one myself, but this one overrides mine, uh, having to do with Thanksgiving. Thank you, Donna Fisher. Uh, she gave me this one this morning when she walked in the door. She said a family was gathering for, for uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, the family asked one of the little kids to, to pray for the meal. And the kid, being a little bit scared, said, uh, well, I don't know what to say. And the, the lady said, well, just pray what you've heard your mom say. So she bowed her head and said, God, why did we invite all these people? (laughs) Thank you. That's Dawn. If you don't like it, get on her. (laughs) This morning, I want to share with you from Galatians chapter 6, as I read earlier. And I've entitled this, Knock, Knock. Who's there? I was waiting for somebody. But knock, knock. Somebody's knocking. How many times have you heard the expression that opportunity only knocks once? Sometimes that is the case. But many times we have more than one, and we need to take advantage of those opportunities. Bill Gates is said to be one of the richest men in the world. I wouldn't want what he has, because we are richer than he is, aren't we? But he said the reason he is the, the, one of the richest men in the world is because he was at the right place at the right time. And he took advantage of that moment which gave him the success that he has. How many today fail to take advantage of opportunities as they are presented almost like a golden cup, but yet we avoid them? Many of us have heard the story of the uh, Aesop's fable, the, the uh, grasshopper and the ant, or the ants and the grasshopper, and it goes something like this. I've kind of put it in a nutshell. It says, one day in late autumn, a family of ants were bustling about in the warm sunshine, drying out the grain they'd stored up from the summer, when a starving grasshopper with a fiddle under his arm, sorry people, Uh, came up and begged them humbly for something to eat. And the ants turned and looked at him and said, What were you doing all summer? He said, Well, I was so busy fiddling and making music that I didn't have time to store up grain, so please feed me. The ants said, Fiddle, did you? Now dance. If you're going to make music... Dance to your own tune. We learn a few things from this fable. First of all, and we know this from the book of Ecclesiastes, that there is a time to play, but there is a time to work. There is a time to have fun and laugh and have a joyous time, but there is also a time to get to work and do the things that God has called us to do. We also learn that if we fail to take opportunities as they come and present them to us, we will pay the consequences. And those consequences could very well be an eternal consequence. I want to read again from Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. And this is my main focus here, but don't lose 1 through 9. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of God. All Christians should be on the alert. Have your eyes wide open at all times to look to do good for somebody around you because every one of us needs somebody to do something for us. I find in life that there are always somebody behind us spiritually speaking, uh, maturity-wise, that we can reach back and help and pull them forward. But there's always someone in front of us that we can reach to and be pulled by them to just, just take another step of faith closer to God. I want to examine this morning the understanding and the idea that all we have is right now. All we have is today. Jesus tells us the urgency of that. In John chapter 9 and verse 4, he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is still today. The night is coming when no one can work. Jesus understood the idea, the urgency of doing good works for people, even the worst, even the worst around us, that we might think they'd never listen. They wouldn't pay attention. They don't want to hear this. But you know in our doing good for even. Matthew 25 we're going to be there in a little bit. Even the least of these doing good for them. It may not do them any good. But it does us good to do those good works. And it glorifies our father in heaven. Proverbs 20, or 3.27 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it to you when you have it with you right now. Don't hold it back. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Because there is no work There is no device from Amazon. There is no knowledge you can gain from politics or wisdom from mankind. Because we're all heading toward the same thing, a grave, one day soon. Oh, we don't want to hear that. But it's reality. You see, not only are we to find good to do for other people, but the Bible says there in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10, we are to give it our best. Do it with all your might. And remember Philippians, I don't have this in the list of scriptures, Philippians 4.13, I can do most things through Christ. Help me out. All. God will give you the strength. So do it with all your strength. Another reason we need to take advantage of our opportunities is because we don't know if we'll be here tomorrow. It is a real possibility that someone you know, someone you love, someone you dislike, will not be here tomorrow. Mark, why do you bring that stuff up? I didn't. I'm called to preach the Word of God. James chapter 4 verse 13 and 14 says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go and do this or do that, we'll go to this city or that city, and we will make money, we will buy things from Amazon for Christmas, and I'm paraphrasing, And he says, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Your life is what? He said, it's a vapor. It's a mist that will one day vanish from from the face of the earth. Every one of you here this morning have a better understanding of that with this area than I do. It has not been that long ago that somebody in your life is no longer here. A husband, a wife, a parent, Their life was only a mist for a very short time. Men who stood here and gave the communion meditation, men who prayed, men who preached, their life was just a mist, a vapor, and they will be gone, or they are gone already. We need to see that our life is only a mist. And we need to reflect the life of Christ and give that rainbow back to the world. From this passage, I believe we can see the urgency for the Christian to do the work of God today. Today. Not wait till tomorrow. Because tomorrow may never come. Even Jesus teaches us that we should focus our efforts on today and not tomorrow. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 34, he says, therefore do not be concerned about Tomorrow. For tomorrow has enough of its own concerns and its own worries, its own problems. Each day has a problem of its own. Do the right thing, Jesus says. And don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. I have more time. I have plans today. But do it today. You and I both know that there are non-Christians who right now, if they died, they'd go to hell. We know people. My, uh, names just crossed your mind of people you know that are not ready. We have those who used to sit amongst us who are right now staying home because whatever reason. They need to hear from us. You know those people better than I do. It's a long list of names. I've heard people mention this person, this person, this husband and wife, this family who's no longer here. I can't do that all. The elders can't do that all. I'm encouraging you to call them. Give them a call. Let them know that they are loved. They are missed. And how serious it is for them to continue to avoid the Lord Jesus Christ. And the body that he loves so dearly. Give them a call. Warn them. Visit them. And seriously tell them the things they need to hear. And here's the reason why. Because the Bible says it, it's just that serious. In Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, which I have on the list of scriptures there for you. It says, there, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. From God, not your preachers. When I say to a wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not warn him, or you do not speak out to dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life, that wicked man will die for his sin, yes. But I'm going to hold you accountable for his blood. That's what he says there. But, if you do warn that wicked person, And he still does not turn from his wicked ways or from his evil ways. He will die in his sin, but you will have saved yourself. You see, our doing good does not necessarily do anybody else any good, but it keeps us in line with doing the things that God commands us to do. We don't know who will listen to us. We don't know who will be saved by our teaching and loving them. But we do know this, that if we teach them and love them and warn them, that we are okay. Too often, we wait too long to share with loved ones. We wait far too long to share with those who we know need salvation because in our minds we keep thinking they'll knock again. That opportunity will come again some other time. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. I don't have time. Or maybe we're afraid, concerned that, well, if I bring it up, they won't like me anymore. You know, it's not about people liking you and me. It's about them loving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's really all about. Because we're not doing them any good whatsoever. If we avoid going to them in a loving way and sitting down with them and telling them, I'm concerned about your soul. I'm concerned about you. Let's study together. Let's talk. Let's communicate. Let's get everything out on the table. Because if we don't do that, what we're saying is, I really don't care if they spend eternity in heaven or hell. It does not matter to me. The apostle Paul tried to teach everyone about the word of God, but I want you to notice what he said in in Acts chapter 20, verses 26 and 27, to the elders at Ephesus. He said, Therefore I declare to you, today that I am innocent of the blood of all men for I have not hesitated I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God we're not only to take advantage of teaching people and sharing with them the holy word of God and the commands of God in scripture and the fact that we are going to die and be judged by him but we are to to give them the whole counsel of God not some watered down version to make them feel better to make us feel better because we at least did something but we're to give them the whole counsel of God and that's tough to do it is easier to slide into hell because it's not a rough ride to hell but my friend it is difficult to be a Christian and Jesus tells us that many times over one more concept within this one I want to share with you is out of Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. Jesus says there, Whoever will not receive your words nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Now let's face it, I'm not so naive as to think that everybody I speak to is going to accept the truth of God's word. I'm not that naive. But I don't believe that we should ever close the door on anyone that we have attempted to share the Word of God with and say, I'll never speak to you again, but that door should always be open just in case. But that doesn't mean we should focus all of our energy on somebody who will not listen. We should find other areas, reach out, expand our reach to find new opportunities with other people who will listen and potentially become a Christian. Paul speaks about this. He put this into practice in Acts chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Luke writes these words When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own hands, your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility from now. I will go on to the Gentiles. The Jews were Paul's people. They were his kindred folk, we might say. And Paul knew them very well, but as much as he tried over and over and over again to teach them, they rejected him. They rejected Christ. They rejected the things of God. So Paul said, I'll go on to the Gentiles. Paul took advantage Of that opportunity. And what happened? Oh he won so many Gentiles. That I believe in part. That's why you and I are here today. He had great success. In taking an opportunity. As it came his way. Another area. That. We don't want to lose. Is. Is in our own personal lives. Of service. Now we talk a lot about service. In church. We're coming to a church service. We come here to pray. We come here to sing. We come here to give glory to God. We come here to preach. We come here to remember. And this is all in service, I pray, to our great God in your mind. But I want us to look in Matthew 25. If you're not there already, turn there. We're going to be there as well as Luke chapter 14. I want you to be ready for this. When I'm done with this particular parable in Matthew 25 don't close Matthew 25 we're going to be back there but Matthew 25 beginning of verse number 31 I don't apologize for reading scripture because sadly it may be the only scripture some people read during the week and I don't know who that might be Matthew 25:31 When the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him then he will sit on the throne of his glory all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from his goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, What? When did we see you hungry or, and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger And take you in. Or naked and clothe you. When do we see you sick or in prison. And come to you. When was that? We don't remember you knocking. He will say to them. Assuredly I say to you. Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these. You did it to me. Then he will say also to those who are on the left hand. Depart from me you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we hear you knocking? Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or, or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. My friend, we cannot serve God without serving one another. Now hear this. Your service to God, our service to God, does not end at the last prayer, the last song, you walk out the door. That's not the end of your service. But my friend, your real service to God is seen by God Monday morning through Saturday night before you show up here. Your real service is what takes place outside of these doors. Your real service to come in here is to be recharged. Charging your spiritual battery so you have the fortitude and the enthusiasm and the encouragement from everyone else to stay faithful. Jesus makes it very clear to us. That on the judgment day, our our eternal destiny of heaven or hell will be determined quite heavily on our service to God. And a great, big, huge, humongous part of that service is how we have served other people in this life. How many times do we hear the scriptures speak of loving one another? And loving one another is not always huggy, huggy, kissy, kissy. Sometimes it's getting in someone's face to say you need to repent because you're on thin ice. You need, you need to repent because there's something in your life that needs to be taken care of or you will not make it to heaven. When we really stop and think about how we treat one another and what the Bible says here, I believe we should take a second look at it, maybe a third one that I want to share with you. Because many times I've heard people, and I haven't heard it here, and I hope the attitude's not here, but there are those in this life who refuse. Somebody over here does not like somebody over here, so there is this avoidance. Or someone over here doesn't like or get along with someone over here, so there again there's that avoidance. I will not love that person, Mark. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how deeply they hurt me or my family. What I hear them saying when they say things like that, and people have said that from other places. What I hear them saying is, "Mark, preacher, I would rather go to hell than to love Wayne Stoll. I'd rather go to hell than re, be reconciled to that person who's hurt me so deeply. But let's go a little deeper. I hear that person saying, I would rather go to hell than to love you, Jesus Christ, in the way that you said I should. Who in this life is worth you going to hell for? My question, because these two are synonymous, loving God and loving my fellow man. They are synonymous. You cannot separate them. And my question is this after all that Jesus Christ has done in sacrificing Himself for us, why would we give that up and sacrifice ourselves on the altar of selfishness to do our thing and end up in a Christless eternity? There's no one in this world that's worth me going to hell. I told my wife that many, many times. I said, I will not go to hell for you or anybody else. As much as I loved her, I would not give up on my God. And I'm thankful that she was a Christian. Now according to Christ, whatever we do or do not do to a fellow brother or sister in Christ, think about it next time because we're actually doing that to the Lord Jesus Christ or not doing that for him. Another quick example of that concept is found in Acts chapter 9 verse 3 concerning the conversion of Saul now Saul as he journeyed he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him Saul Saul why are you persecuting me now was was Paul really uh, persecuting Christ no because Paul could not reach in heaven and beat him beat Christ or throw rocks at him and hurt him in that way but in the same In the same sense here, he was persecuting the Christians. And you persecute a Christian, you're persecuting your Christ. I cannot think of a parent in this room with a little one that if somebody came up to them and just started abusing them and throwing rocks at them and hitting them with sticks, I cannot imagine one mama bear or papa bear in this group standing in and saying, you're not going to do that to my child. And see, God will do the same thing. If we're harming each other, and not being the loving body of Christ, giving up on ourself, our pride, then we have a real problem. Another thing I want you to remember here, concerning lost opportunities, is when it comes to being prepared for Judgment Day. If you believe Christ is coming back, say Amen. He is coming back. Oh, he's coming back, and we need to be prepared. Many of you ladies, I know because I ate your meals, you prepared probably over the last few weeks as you thought about Thanksgiving coming up, what things you wanted to buy, what things you wanted to prepare for that great feast at that moment in time. You prepared. You didn't wait till the last minute and say, let's put the turkey in the oven. It's going to, they're going to be here in 10 minutes. You thought ahead. You prepared for that to come about. And after all of that preparation, we sat down, we all gained 10 pounds in the last five days. We enjoyed a prepared meal. In Matthew chapter 25 again, Jump back to verse number one. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming. At least they thought so and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, they, there may not be enough for both you and us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were out on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others came also. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, he says, because you do not know the day nor the hour. These five foolish virgins are what I consider in my thinking to be somewhat committed Partially committed. They would show up, they would be there, but they had not prepared before to have enough oil in their lamps. That is, enough spirituality. The Holy Spirit is the oil, you see. So they were kind of committed. Even though they had been told many, many times from a pulpit, from a classroom, from their own reading of the Word of God, that the Son of God's coming back. They've been told this. The attitude they had then, we still have this attitude today. Things have not changed very much. We need to see the importance of taking advantage of the opportunity today, not tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. We are encouraged in Scripture to daily Every single day, every sunrise you get, you have the promise that you have a little bit more time. You have that day. And we're told in scripture that we are to prepare in living a Christian life by doing a few things that are not difficult. He tells us that we need to study the word of God. And my friend, if you are not reading God's love letter to you every single day and praying for that, asking God to give you insight and wisdom from your reading of the word of God, start that today. Don't wait till the new year. We're also told that we need to pray. We need to be in communication with our God. How many of you husbands and wives do not talk at all during the week? I see some guys smiling, praying for that, maybe. But we communicate, we speak to one another, we share things with each other. And that's what we need to do with our God because He wants to hear from us. He wants to hear what we have to say, what's on our mind, what we really want in service to Him and to other people. We need to pray. My friend, we also need to attend every worship service. And some of us don't do that because you've been invited. But why don't we come? Why don't we share? Why don't we want to learn more? We need to do good to others. We need to obey God's commands of being obedient to Him in every single way. If you are not committed to the things of God in His Word, my friend, I believe we will be just like these five foolish virgins. We will not be ready when when the sky breaks open and the door to salvation is shut by God. I think about Noah and the ark just a little bit. Noah took a hundred years to to, uh, preach, to build that ark. And people said, you're full of baloney. But then the rains began to come and they got deeper and deeper. And I wonder if Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives did not hear as they were rising up in that water. Let us in! It's too late. You see, God is the one who closed the door of the ark. And there's not a man alive who could open that. When God shuts that door to salvation, when Christ comes back and it's all over, there won't be any of this. It'll be a shutting of a door and it will be final. We need to ask ourselves a question. If I died right now in that pew where I'm sitting, would I go to heaven? If I died right now where, I'm, where I am, have I avoided too many opportunities, too many invitation songs? Am I ready even right now where I am? And if you can't find a reason why you should not, then don't avoid this opportunity. The last point I want to make is to the non-Christian And even to those who maybe have slipped away. Or those who are living in a sinful situation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now. Behold, today. He says is the day of salvation. I want us to understand something very plain and very simple here. That the Bible is teaching us that that all we have is right now. Now! Even before I'm done with this message, come down front here. We will cry together in remorse for your sin. Because I want you not to feel that you're saved. I want you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt from the Word of God that what you've done is right in His eyes. Luke chapter 14, coming to a close here. Luke 14, beginning of verse number 16, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent out servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, I need to go see it. What? Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported to to his master. He said, then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. But there's still room. The master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will taste, get a taste of my banquet. The last thing I want to miss is a nice meal. The last thing I want to miss is the banquet that's being prepared today in heaven. Jesus teaches us many things in this parable, but I want to focus on just one. These people were invited. Come. They only made excuses. Many Jews of the first century rejected Christ. A lot of the Gentiles accepted it. And Jesus said that those who made excuses would not taste of his supper. My friend, I don't think things are any different even today. Because I see people every, every now and then who, who hear the invitation. They hear the truth of the Word of God. But yet at the same time, they will sit there and say, yeah, but... and make some excuse. Do we keep making excuses on why we will not become a Christian? Do we make excuses as to why we will not serve God Monday through Saturday and not only for an hour on Sunday morning? Do we make excuses? Jesus said in John 8, 24, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. If you do not obey what I've told you, you will die in your sins. In Luke 13, verses 3 through 5, Jesus said, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, repent stop doing your sinful lifestyle and begin a walk with Christ. You will die. You will perish. Jesus also said in Matthew 10, 32, and I'm almost done here. In Matthew 10, 32, I want you to see this picture. I really want you to see this picture uh, deeper than I can express to you in words. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, Jesus said, Him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Hear that. If I confess Jesus Christ on this earth by my lifestyle, in sharing with people, and attempting to win their soul, and serving His body, then there's going to come a time when Jesus is going to say, Father, this is Mark Snow and I want him to say the same thing for you. Father, this is... And put your name there. But then he says in verse 33, But whoever denies, rejects me before men, puts off excuses. Him also will I deny before my Father who is in heaven. Salvation is so simple. Man wants to make it so difficult. Jesus said... The Son of God said, the co-creator of the universe said, the one who's coming back to judge the living and the dead said, he, the individual that believes to the point of obedience and is baptized shall be saved. You might believe, but if you have not been immersed properly according to the scriptures, my friend, you got wet. These are things we must be willing to do in order to accept salvation from God. So if you are willing to obey the commands and if there's nothing preventing you and there should not be because no one's holding a gun to your head saying, stop it. Don't do that. Then, My friend, I encourage you to do the right thing today because hear this. Someday the knocking will stop. Someday the trumpet will sound. As Veronica comes forward to play for us, my friend, I really pray that you do have a need. Christian, those who've claimed Christ for some time, if you have stepped away from the things of God, come back because there's still that knocking that's taking place. And If you're not a Christian, if you died right now and you know in your heart of hearts because what this says and what you're not doing, you'd go to hell. Then you respond today by walking down here sharing that with us. And my friend, we will teach you. We will bless you with the teachings of Christ. Won't you come? Christian, non-Christian, or those who've fallen away